Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is David and today we are continuing our series of promoted videos where we have a look at teams that have just emerged from the championship ready to compete with the country's best elite teams in the Premier League for the new season. It means they're going to be in FPL and we are today joined by Adam from No Nay Never podcast who is a big, big Burnley fan, and he's very excited to have them back in the Premier League. So how are you doing today, Adam? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Can't wait for the new season to kick off uh, already. Yeah, and it's good to be back uh, at the top table at the first time of asking, right? Yeah, yeah I think that were, it felt like um, a bit of an end of an era when uh, when we were relegated. Obviously, a lot of players leaving. Dyche had already left a few games before, and... Uh, and it felt like the good times were maybe coming to an end, but all credit to the owners recruiting uh, Vincent Company um, and selling him the project. And yeah, everything's just gone quite swimmingly, to be honest. I think it's important that you do get back at the first attempt or you risk, um, well, financial implosion and um, and obviously just being, yeah, not having the chance to get back to uh, to the Premier League for a few years. So, yeah, really important that we hit that first time and really excited to see how we do because it'll be a very different experience to what we've had previously, you'd imagine, with uh, uh, with company in charge. Mm. Well, just a quick side note, I know exactly what it feels like to end up in financial implosion after you've been relegated from the Premier League because I'm a Reading fan. So we'll try not to d- dwell on that too much. But yes, when you do come up again, first time of asking and manage to avoid that sort of saga, it is, it is a bit of a relief, I can tell you. And so Vincent Company, we have to start with him. Absolutely. I mean, what a transformation he has achieved at Burnley in such a short space of time. I mean, anyone who is expecting Burnley to be back in the Premier League, you know, same old Burnley, long balls, four four two. which just want to say, actually, it's not a criticism for me. I love that type of football. But we're not expecting that at all now. It's it's just chalk and cheese between the old and the new with Burnley, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I think we'll we won't um, we won't change the way we play uh, depending on our our opponent. Whereas previously we've been very pragmatic um, under Daesh. Um, we'd we'd set up really defensively, especially against the big teams, and play for a nil nil and not change when it, when we went one nil down um, and just hang on in there and hope for a draw. I can't see that happening with with company um, possession based style. Um, and yeah, really attacking free-flowing football. We're not naive to think that we're just going to come into the Premier League and be able to carry on what we did in the Championship. Um, but I think we'll um, we'll try and entertain, and we might take a few more hammerings than we used to. Uh, but hopefully, we'll um, we'll be able to well win a few more games mm-hmm. playing that way as well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's very much mirrors in many respects Man City, which I suppose is no surprise uh, when you consider where Vincent Company sort of, you know, um, learnt everything there is to learn about management. He's learnt from one of the best in, in Guardiola. Um, what sort of similarities uh, specifically have you noticed between uh, those two clubs? And I suppose my question is, to what extent would, do you think we're going to see that continue in the Premier League as well, stepping up to a higher level? Yeah, well, I think you see, uh, you, there's a lot of analysis about um, inverted fullbacks and and the way that Man City play. But I think company has is shown real flexibility um, through last season, and we've learned from um, from mistakes. Uh, and like at the start of the season, our fullbacks were quite wide, uh, supporting the wingers that way. So Matson and Roberts had the freedom to get forward down the wings, and then as the season went on. Um, you more saw our them moving to the centre of the pitch, and then our central midfielders, Brownhill, Goodmanson, Twine, would move out to support the wingers and create overloads out wide. Um, and and yeah, break break teams down that way. Uh, probably helped that Benson scored a few wonder goals as well. Mm-hmm. But also at the back, uh, we looked very vulnerable to crosses and set pieces early on, and we conceded quite a few late goals as well uh, when we were winning games and. Managed to turn some um, dominant performances into one-one draws, um, and you you kind of saw an adaptation through the season where we'd make a sub to shear it up in the last five minutes, um, and there, we just seemed a lot more organised, and there were noticeable improvement in that regard in the second half of the season. But in terms of the possession uh, possession based football from the off first game away at Huddersfield, we couldn't believe our eyes as Burnley fans. <laughs> um, we gone from yeah 30 40 percent possession in most games like I said utilizing the long ball a lot um but then yeah completely controlling games we did still use a long ball interestingly in in some yeah, we'd pull teams out um passing out from the back and then Murich should often try and find teller in behind and then we'd have a three on three up the pitch so it's not it's not all passing through the lines there's a, a very mixed approach but it's, it's really good on the eye um, and and yeah, it, it took a while to get used to for a lot of Burnley fans. I, I sit with a lot, uh, a lot of the older members of the fan base in the Bob Lord stand, and there's quite, there's still quite a few groans when we're playing balls across our uh, our six yard line, which has its risks. But overall, there's a big net gain in in the amount of goals we scored from doing it um, against the the goals that were conceded um, playing trying to play out that way. So. Yeah. 
very much defending by by holding on to the ball, which is how I've I've always felt is is, is how Man City do it. You know, of course, it's like they can't score if they don't have the ball. If you've got the ball, then you know it's possession is nine tenths of, of the law, I suppose. And in terms of the transformation, there's just a couple of stats on the screen which just absolutely fascinate me. Is that um, when we look at the last promotion winning campaign under Deitch, which was 2015-16, um, your average possession that season was uh, 48.2%, which was the joint 18th. Uh, best in the championship uh, out of 24 teams and then pass completion was 69.1 percent again joint 18th best in the championship so you very much went up playing Dutch football and then this time around you know 64 percent possession on average which is the best in the division uh, 84.7 percent pass completion second best I mean it's just it's incredible in a way Football is, is so amazing that between those two transformations, both of them are prom- promotion winning campaigns. But the other thing that's really interesting, I suppose, is w- the impact that, that had in some other areas. So uh, apologies for those who aren't big on the numbers, but I have a few more to, to, to reel off that I, that I personally find very fascinating. And we'll get Adam's opinion on in a second. Um, so with, with passes just total, 26,016 uh, in, in total, uh, which was the second highest. Uh, but of long passes attempted, just uh, 2,691. That's 18th in the division. Shots from open play, 470. That's the best. Uh, but shots from counterattacks, just five. And a whole campaign, which is literally the worst in the division. Which, again, just makes sense. Because if you've got more of the ball, you're going to be involved in fewer counterattacking situations. Shots from set plays, 147. That was the 14th uh, best. And so my question here is... Uh, when we when we see Burnley make that step up of playing this type of football in the Premier League, we're, you're going to be going up against teams that are much more comfortable with the ball and would expect to have it. What do you expect company to do? Do you think that he's going to sort of cross his arms and say, no, doesn't matter what these teams are going to try and do. We're going to we're going to have possession here. We're going to control these games. Uh, or do you think we're going to see him shift towards? you know, situations where you control the ball less and allow the bigger teams to have it. And I guess, is your only concern here that this is a team that hasn't really had much of an opportunity to defend 11 men behind the ball, backs against the wall and hit teams on the counter? Because the, the thing for me that I look at there is just just five shots from counterattacks across the whole season. It's going to be interesting to see how company manages that step up. I just wonder if you had some opinions on that. Yeah, I think we've got a bit of a, a really small sample size from from our cup games last year. Um, we played three top flight sides in cup competitions. So we played um, Manchester United away in the League Cup um, for our last sixteen, I think it was, um, and we we didn't really change the way we played. Um, it were at Old Trafford. There were a cl- there was a clear difference in level. We were beating everyone in the Championship at that stage, and you couldn't help be confident going into the game. Within ten minutes, you could see the likes of Bruno, Eriksson, Casemiro uh, was a, a bit different opposition for um, for Cullen and Brownhill and Cork in the middle, um, and you can see the levels. So it is, it did bring us back down to earth with a bit of a bang. Um, it were it were a two 0 defeat. We we had chances in the game. And we probably have more chance in in that game at Old Trafford than than we would do in a lot of games against against when we played against top six sides in the Premier League, um, and then again against Man City in in the quarter final of the FA Cup. Um, half and for half an hour we did really well against City, um, and then Haaland took over. Mm-hmm. Um, and again we didn't really change the way we we wanted to play. We tried keeping the ball. We 
Um, we did have some success, but then yeah, Haaland scored a hat trick and uh, they figured they tend, tended to they worked us out and it ended up a bit well, it was a route six nil. Um, but I think he's always thinking, he's always learning. I'm sure that company won't want to repeat those sort of mistakes. I think there's probably some of the recruitment will probably ref reflect that. Um, but just on the other side of it, sorry, in the other cup game, away at Bournemouth, um, we went there um, and we, we won 4-2. Again, playing a very similar way that we had done in the league and it was a very open game. Uh, whether he was less adverse to risk as a New York Cup game, I don't know, but we showed that we could compete against that lower Premier League level like we had been doing at, um, at the top end of the Championship. So um, there is a hope there that against the sides that are in in the bottom bottom uh, bottom ten in the league that we will be able to carry on in the same vein. But um, yeah, I don't think, like you said, a lot of the control in defence has come from having possession. We're not going to have a, as much possession. We have looked a bit shaky um, when when other teams did put us under pressure. So. There are probably worrying signs there, but I don't think we'll know the full extent until we're we're into it. And um, yeah, I think we'll probably come on to signings, but I think physicality um, is something that we'll look to maybe add in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, the reference of the Bournemouth game, I think, is really important because I get the impression from this team, just as a casual sort of observer from the outside. So, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, I suppose. But um, you clearly possess the ability to go into a game against a team in the bottom half of the Premier League and dictate that game in terms of possession and tempo and things like that. Get on the front foot and maybe win it um, with a few goals, maybe conceding a few goals as well, just, just because, well, the signings will be important as well in terms of what happens in defence. And so I'm sort of already getting a feel that Burnley could be a team that, for FPL purposes, we target when they have really nice fixtures um, because, you know, we, we could imagine that they could well, like the, uh, we could see another 6-0 at the hands of City, although there's no shame in that because that happens to everybody, let's be honest. <laughs> so, you know, and those those kind of games, it might be harder to perhaps um, get too excited about um, Burnley assets in, in FPL um, specifically. So, um, yeah, it, it's just, I, I mean, the thing is, I just think that this that company just has some, something of an X factor from what I can see is that he strikes me as the kind of person who has that, um, confidence. I, know, I wonder where he gets it from, you know, to have that confidence to go into a game, be like, no, 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 we're going to be in charge of dictating this game. And I think that, um, and, and he, I'm right, I think he's already got the players in for preseason before like the Champions League even happened. He's very, very well prepared. Uh, yeah, the I think the the idea of it was, I think some of them were going away on international duty and I think he wanted them, uh, all the squad to be at the same sort of level. So, and they are, they are still in training, whether it's, We've not seen everyone all the faces back yet, but yeah, there is there is a there is a form of preseason training going on. Like I think it was two days after the Champions League final, so oh, wow. um, we'll see how that works out, and I'm sure it'll be thrown back at him if we don't have a good start. Um, yeah, but I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with fantasy football wise, like like you say, the way I'll I'll approach it is look for them fixture runs, maybe look for another side. A similar level to Burnley that we rotate well with with a defensive asset. Probably target the fullbacks, Robertson, if we bring a player in in replace of Matson, or if we manage to get him again this season. Um, and then in terms of going forward, I think the one good thing about our forwards last season was 
um, and sorry if you were going to mention this anyway, um, with Benson, Teller, Zarure, and even Jay Rodriguez, I'm not saying that he'd be able to step up and score regularly in the Premier League, but they all had purple patches within the season where it was clear that they were our biggest attacking threat at that time. Um, and they had runs of games where they were un- unplayable and and you'd, you'd see a lot of our goal involvements coming from um, from from them. Uh, like J-Rod and Zaruri in the first half of the season, Teller and Benson towards the end. So hopefully when we have got them good run of games, you wouldn't think they'd be priced above five and a half million in, uh, in fantasy football terms that they might become an option. Um, at times, but yeah, for me, defense is the the obvious move, and yeah, it'll be, we've not got an easy start to the season, so probably a few weeks mm. into the season, and um, and just just review it then, and uh, hopefully there's a couple of four and a half million fullbacks yeah. that we can all target. That's the way to go, I think. And uh, yeah, well, we'll just touch on those fixtures then, uh, just to, just so people hadn't sort of made themselves aware. So it is Man City at home on the first day of the season, which I which feels almost Shakespearean to have those two Guardiola and company go face to face on a Friday night um, game week one game. But then it's Luton away, uh, Villa at home, Spurs at home, Forest away, and so there's sort of two nice fixtures in there that it could form part of a rotation as you say then Man United uh, at home game week six Newcastle away game week seven Chelsea at home game week eight uh, it's not really till game week 10 when you get that away trip to Bournemouth that it starts to get a bit nicer and I suppose by that point you'll have will have had a, an opportunity to see how company's style of play has stepped up uh, in some of those games and might make you um, more comfortable investing in someone and actually it's really good to know that some of these players are patchy um, because you know, it sounds like they all possess the ability to be a bandwagon at one time or another because bandwagons need to be someone who can maybe be a bit of a differential so people don't want to touch him because he is, in inverted commas, only a Burnley player. Uh, but he actually does possess the ability to sustain form over a six, seven, eight, nine week game week period. Um, and so it sounds like all the guys you've mentioned there possess that ability. Uh, yeah, yeah. So again, um, Benson Tellers, or if we get Teller back, um, still interest there, I think. And Zarure, not played in the Premier League before, so a very unproven. And I think a lot of it will depend on, and sorry, I know this is a wider topic, probably depend on the prices as well this year. Mm. I know last year when I was playing, I think it was the, the least, I probably touched the bottom half of the Premier League in terms of FPL um, assets because of the... But I just felt you could get quite a lot of the big teams players in your side, and then obviously base it on um, double game weeks and stuff like that. Of where where you where else you got your players from? But I suppose again, the, it's a more of a standard season. Hopefully this year, there's no um, no COVID, no hopefully no change of monarch. Yeah. Um, so that that might play into it as well. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they how they do price players, but. I am looking forward to having having the Burnley aspect back in in FPL this season. It um, it felt like something we're missing last year, even though uh, it did make some decisions more tricky. Heart <laughs> versus head. <laughs> Normally, actually, in terms of captaining opposition players, oh, yes. it just felt it felt horrendous. Like captaining even one of the big guns against uh, against us. Around going watching the game, wanting us to win. So uh, yeah, that that dilemma will be back this year. But can't wait. <laughs> I mean, it's an it's an addictive one that that dilemma. I, I don't think I've met many 
fans of Premier League teams that don't say exactly the same. You know, I, I, I would happily go into a game hedging my bets. I want to see us win 5-0. But if we have to lose 5-0, if that guy over there could happen to get all the goals, that would be great. Thank you very much. You know, <laughs> you've got to balance that all the time. Um, yeah, but speaking of balancing things, balancing players is something that Vincent Company has to do on a regular basis. So what I've got on the screen at the moment is just the list of all the starts uh, that we saw in the championship last season. And bearing in mind that Company very much um, sort of molds himself, well, he, he shapes himself in the mold of Pep Guardiola, who famously uh, rotates whenever he has the opportunity. I, one of the questions that is on lots of people's lips is to what extent is Company like Guardiola? Uh, with regards to team selection and I suppose also uh, what he's like with the press as well you know how often do we get a you know we'll see oh there's five or six guys I'm not sure you know those those kind of things are very much on everybody's lips so in terms of how he manages that squad on a day-to-day week-to-week basis you know what can we expect uh, as fantasy managers uh, to see so I suppose within that you know key starters you know are there any individuals that you would turn around right now and say I'm be very shocked if player X, player Y doesn't play all 38 games of his fit. You know, those kind of things are the sort of things that people are wondering. Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, the press conferences, uh, I think he probably is a, a bit more cagey with, with what information he, he gives away. There's been a, there are a few times where players weren't involved uh, and they're actually sat next to him in the press conference. So it's like there's a bit of <laughs> mind, like mind chess goes on with it. But um, yeah, it, the rota- the rotation is the biggest the biggest concern um from where we were previously with with Daesh, we'd we'd rarely rotate especially if things were going okay it wouldn't change the 11 for weeks on end uh and same with with substitutions we'd often be crying out for the fans would be for a change with like enough time in the game left but it just didn't didn't do it we'd often literally go years without a substitute getting a goal or assist oh, wow. um for us, and and there are there are stats to back that up as well. That's um, I think it was like two years after before we got relegated, and uh, since a, a sub came on and made an impact, but completely different with company. Um, we I think he's built a bigger squad though in terms of he he wanted more options, uh, whereas Dash should obviously probably work with a tight of 15, 16 that he trusted. We've got players that are missing out on the bench now that you think are a reason. Well, they were good championship players. And hopefully we'll be able to evolve the squad into having a squad full of good Premier League players. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We did often see two to three, probably two to three changes every every game, pretty much. Um, you won't be surprised. There were a couple of occasions later in the season where it were five or six, but that were uh, for understandable reasons when we'd just been promoted, just won the league. Um, and, and other other little factors around that, but in general, two to three changes um, a week. But like you said, the, there always was that there was a core that you could trust. So in terms of fantasy football, last year if it was the championship, like the, there were Bayer, well Murich until the back end of the season, but Bayer, Brownhill, um, Cullen, who's not obviously in a fantasy option because he's not um, not got the attacking threat. Uh, and then Teller when you were available. They, I don't know if I've missed any. You've got the screen in front of me of the appearances, but the, you could pretty much rely on them being part of the eleven every week. And you'd think there'll be that core group of players that wouldn't be rotated. And it'd be interesting to see as well. Obviously, we had forty-six games to manage last year, uh, league games. So the well further in the cups than we're used to as well. So we saw that rotation probably more naturally with all the um, condensed fixtures with the World Cup in the middle as well. There are quite a lot of midweek games. We're not going to have that as much this year. Um, I still think he'll rotate more than Daesh ever did in the Premier League, but it it probably won't be as um, as extreme as we saw uh, last season. Yeah, well, that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, that, that shrinking down of uh, of the season for you is, is quite useful. And obviously, a few of your players, I think, were involved in the World Cup as well. So you had to manage that uh, too. So I think the only other two people just to mention, I guess, is, is those fullbacks, isn't it? Because Connor Roberts, 39 starts, Matson 38. But as you've actually already alluded to, Matson not actually on the books officially. He's not a permanent player. Uh, so, I mean, be nice. It sounds like it would be nice if you could get him as a permanent signing. But I guess if he's quite keen for his uh, fullbacks, which we've already talked about very much uh, in vogue in their invertedness, because that seems to be the new direction football's heading in. Whoever plays left back, you would imagine probably also would 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 be a key person to rely on for the new season for starts. Yeah, he were a key part in the way we played Matson last year. Really, um, going forward anyway, he had question marks defensively over him from from the fan base but going for he added so much to our game it's really good on the ball looked after the ball really well barely ever gave it away quick um strong and, and real quality in the in the attacking third um whether he yeah whether he moved into center midfield or did get up the wing he was always a threat and and like what say appearing in center midfield they even had the freedom to to get into the box and um they had both got ten plus goal contributions last season, and and I, yeah, I expect them to still have that freedom when we when we're on the ball to be able to get forward. So that that's where I'll be looking, and I, I'm hoping if we don't get Matson, it will be someone in in that mould um, to to fill that left back slot. Uh, and yeah, they'll they'll be my go tos um, for for when I'm considering Burnley. Burnley players to put into my FPL team. Yeah, they certainly uh, are exciting me quite a lot. Roberts probably has the upper hand just because we know he's definitely going to be there, I think. Um, but I suppose one other aspect, and this is, again, a quite a useful segue of the... Uh, 
the full the fullbacks and the, and we hope we expect to be four point five million is is defensive potential. So if we just um, sort of zoom in uh, a little bit more uh, from our very sort of broad uh, topic of, of of everything we've been talking about to have a closer look at defence, I'm going to run through some numbers. Um, and so clean sheet potential. Then it was um, twenty one clean sheets uh, for Burnley um, in the championship last year. Twelve at home, nine away. Um, goals conceded 35 was the fewest in the division clean sheets was 21st was was the highest as well shots conceded 394 uh, again best uh, shots on target conceded second or joint second and then uh, xgc uh, 38.2 and it seems it's interesting in a way because it looks as if uh, it was really the second half of the campaign where you really started to get into that groove of keeping those clean sheets because the xgc between matches or the average you know, per game, but between matches 1 and 20 was 1.08, but between matches 21 and 46, it was 0.64. So there's clearly, and you sort of already alluded to it earlier, there's clearly something that the company learned about his team and, and worked hard on um, shoring things up. Although when we say shoring things up, probably probably was based around possession. Um, but yeah, and we've sort of already alluded to it, but in the games where you feel like you're going to control possession, do you feel like they're games where Burnley are capable of keeping clean sheets or would you be worried about mistakes that sometimes come with possession-based football? Because we even see Man City making those. So, um, yeah, what's your thoughts on on, on clean sheets um, Yeah, for next season? Yeah, I think the, the games where we did... Um... We did go into them as favourites. Uh, we tended to line up in a more of a four-one-four-one rather than the four-two-three-one. So either Brownie would move forward in the formation and tell a wide, um, or um, or we bring in a Goodmanson or a Twine um, to play in there. Uh, so yeah, and if anything, when I would go into the games, that we did look so much more comfortable in in those games when we when we played. The like the more attacking players, um, but I think a more realistic approach would be that we'll go into most games in the four-two-three-one next year with uh, probably Brownhill alongside alongside Cullen, um, and obviously the the idea of that is to keep the ball as much as we can in in our in our own third and then work our way up the pitch. But um, I, I probably re- yeah, repeat myself a bit here, but we've. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be so so much tougher, but I do have confidence that like like that data suggests, whatever challenges companies come across so far, he's found solutions um and he's found ways to make us a better team. He's only been there a year, he's gonna he's gonna learn more and more. We've got another full preseason with uh, with that squad of players and hopefully improving um some some High, well, some better, higher quality players coming in to add to it. Um, so hopefully we'll see more of the same. But again, when it comes to fantasy football, I'll be targeting the fixtures more than anything else. The a lot of our solidity does come from that possession. So the the if we can successfully transition that into into the way we play, then I don't see why we don't have that clean sheet potential. The mistakes that were you could pinpoint. The, and they were like really shocking ones. Like I think mm-hmm. home to Blackpool, we gave gave the ball just just passed the ball to their attacker. That cup game at Bournemouth, Cullen just plays the ball across straight across the box uh, to and Christie scores, and it can make you look really silly. But when you, it's still probably less, probably still count them on one hand across the season. Where yeah, you have you have a few 
Um, your heart skips a beat a few <laughs> times, but they, they know what they're doing. Uh, and I have confidence that um, that we will we will make it work. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we even see Man City make those mistakes from time to time. They're just inevitable that it's going to happen. And it's just about how you respond to that and mitigate yeah, against the, it the, moving forward. This seems to happen more when I have Edison in my goal. I felt like that. <laughs> so many times last season yeah normally oh. late on in the game i know it was very frustrating wasn't it well yeah. that's that's something that fantasy managers uh, are fed up with something that fantasy managers will never be fed up with is attacking fullbacks so we are just going to have a close slightly closer look at robertson matson and what they did last year what i've got on the screen is just attacking returns of all burnley uh defenders uh from last year and uh yeah robertson matson really stand out four goals well, pretty much exactly the same stats of so four goals each six assists each uh, we've already sort of talked about um what uh, what they sort of has a heat map on the screen showing them as well, and how those inverted roles uh, really work. Um, yeah, I mean they just look so exciting, don't they? I mean if if we get uh, them at four point five, which we expect them to, uh, and with, to me to be perfectly honest, just going back to those fixtures: Luton away game week two, Forest away game week five. I mean justification possibly for Roberts at the moment because we're not sure about Matson to be in a game week one team, right? Maybe on the bench to begin with. I think, uh, yeah, I'll. <laughs> Um, I'll have to have a look at it a bit more closely. I've not, I've not been into detail of the, like the um, obviously until the player prices come out, we won't know for sure. But um, the, yeah, it probably could be potential there. But like you said, only nine out of twenty-three clean sheets away from home um, last season, which is still a good number. But obviously, compared to the twelve at home, and we'll be playing a higher level of opposition. Uh, Luton away in their first first home game in the Premier League isn't going to be easy. If I had to pick a time to play them away from home, it definitely wouldn't be then. Um, and Forest, I think, proved a lot of people wrong second half of last season. So I, it, I don't think the standout, if we, if we had either of those two at home or if it were the opposite way around, uh, then I'd be more tempted. So for me, I think it's still a wait and see until game week 10. I think you said the Bournemouth away and it looks looks a bit bit better fixture wise after that but I'd, yeah I don't, I don't want to I'm not going to come in here and put people I don't want to put people off Burnley players I want <laughs> as many Burnley players in teams as possible but um, yeah it'll still I, I don't think I'll be going I don't think there'll be any Burnley players in my game week one squad oh, um, what a shame. At, at, this, at this moment in time but let's see as the excitement builds I, I do rather enjoy the on-brand sort of typical northern scepticism um, <laughs> even even a hundred point season can't kick that out of me. I know, I know. It's it's great, but never change. Is would be my would be my view there. Um, well, even though Burnley did exactly that over the summer or last summer, I should say. One other person I do want to talk about actually, uh, which is someone we've not really uh, looked at too much yet. And in a world where we've got these attacking fullbacks, maybe we're never really going to look at a Jordan Bayer. But there's something really interesting about him. You know, uh, ball-playing centre-backs, again, is increasingly becoming in vogue. And some of these ball-playing centre-backs are going and playing in midfield now when you look at John Stones. But um, what's really interesting is just how much your centre-backs last season were involved in that passing. And so uh, we're sort of now getting into a real niche section of FPL because we're looking at players who could rack up bonuses in really dull nil-nil games where there isn't really much attacking going on. And so uh, when we look at the top uh, seven players in the championship last year for most passes per game. Uh, Matt Grimes is top of that with uh, an average of 95.8 passes per game. And his colleague, uh, Ben Cabango, is fourth with 75.3 per game. But literally everybody else in that list 
is a Burnley player. Um, Cullen is one of them. He's in the top six. Um, but we've also got Bayer. We've got uh, Ekdal. And uh, if I'm getting this right, Harwood Bellis as well. Is he one of your defenders too? You know, we've just got a high number of Burnley defenders that were just basically dictating games with the passing last season. Now, we've already alluded to the fact that you might see slightly less possession this season anyway. But do you think there's a case to be made for the centre-backs uh, with the way that they're involved in that passing build-up? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, we saw it with, uh, with Luke Shaw last year when it took away a lot of his attacking threat when he were when he moved into the centre uh, of defence. But there were a few occasions where he picked up maximum bonus doing uh, doing that. So that's yeah, that's as good as a, an assist anyway. But um, yeah, Bayer, absolute—it's probably an overused term, but Rolls Royce on the ball. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely quality. You can give him the ball, he'll charge out from the back, he'll always find a good pass. Um, he's yeah, he's brilliant. Uh the way I play the game, I probably will end up on uh, a Matt Sonora Roberts um over Bayer, but no, he's he's definitely a viable viable option. And then yeah, Ekdal as well came in, in January. Um Sweden, uh, Swedish international again. Um probably not as flamboyant, but still really, really good on the ball. And and yeah, them two, you'd expect again, expect them to be four and a half million. And and yeah, if if we do if we are involved in tight games, nil nil, one nil, um, I'd expect both of them to be um to be near the top of the, the bonus points. Mm. Yeah, I think in in realistic terms, I feel like Bayer is probably someone that you that managers might look to when they're doubling up, perhaps on Burnley later in the season. Maybe when both of those fullbacks have, I can see a world where maybe by January they're like four point eight, four point nine because they've done quite well, and you need a cheaper second defender because you can't quite get to the other fullback. And Bayer, I think that's where he might step in, and uh, yeah, as you say, Rolls Royce his way into people's teams. Let's uh, talk about attack now, uh, which uh, is probably going to be um, something I guess that you're probably more excited about going into the Premier League um, because, you know, when you play some of these big teams, perhaps maybe you can give them a bit of a scare. Um, and so, yeah, goal scored last season. So uh, 87 was the most in the in the division. Uh, it's, I think from I'm actually plucking this from sort of half memory here, but that is one of the highest goals scored by a championship promotion team in the last sort of five or six, seven years. So it's 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 no mean feat by any stretch. It's in the same sort of uh, conversation as as your Norwiches. Um, from a couple of years ago when Pookie came up, for example. Um, shots, you had 625, that's third best. Sh- this, But this I find really interesting is that shots in the box was eighth best with 383. Um, and I don't have the exact st- uh, stats here from shots in the six-yard box, but I'm pretty sure you were top for shots in the six-yard box, but eighth in, in the box, um, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute because that seems really strange to me. And uh, yeah, maybe you've got some anecdotal evidence that can help me understand that. But shots on target, 219 second. Um, attempts from set plays, 14th best. Attempts from counterattacks, I've already covered this, 24th. Um, and NXG, third best. So, you know, some, some encouraging numbers in certain areas. But yeah, talk, talk me through this whole penalty box thing. Because, I mean, what, there's a couple of players who are very good at shots from outside the box. And there's players who are good in the six-yard box. What's that like to watch? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's surprised me quite a bit. More that um, we've had less less shots in the box like, uh, compared, to the, compared to the other two. Um, just I think with the six-yard box, we've... <sighs> We do put a lot of pressure on like on teams high up the pitch and and work the but 
it might be a sign of literally passing the ball into the net. There were a few times <laughs> where where we did just rip through teams and you'd you'd have people passing it and leaving open goals. But uh, yeah, it's a really interesting one that because you'd you'd probably expect more of that with uh, maybe set pieces and um, and other ways of playing. But no, that, yeah, that's a surprise to me that one. So it's um, <laughs> a bit it flummoxed me a bit. But in terms of outside the box, it's not a surprise when we've got. Um, players like Zaruri and Benson, who scored a number of worldies uh, last season. Benson in particular, I think he scored four games in a row, pretty much the same goal, cut in from the right on his left foot and just smashed it into the into the far corner. Um, and it were like you know it's going to happen, but they just none of the teams could do anything to stop it. Um, and I think that probably played a big part as well in our XG over performance. Don't know if you've got the exact number there, but I think we scored twenty goals more than uh, XG yeah, uh, last number. season, which um, which is massive. But obviously, maybe a slight concern that you're not going to do that again at a higher level. And I saw one of um, the fantasy football scout articles uh, saying that there were only one promoted team ever outperformed their XG. Uh, it were, I think you were either Sheffield United or Leeds when they when they had the top half fin- finishes after they came up, but they were the best two, and it were like no minuscule like minuscule over zero. Um, so we'll see if we can keep that run going. I'll be following that one after I've seen that stat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we've got players of, of a lot higher quality on the ball than we've ever had before in in the Premier League going forward. I remember when Maxwell Corney came to us a few um, two seasons ago, and he did a step over, and no one knew what to do. Um, in the stands, but yeah, you know, Benson, Zaruri, um, Teller, and well, whoever else we signed, Benson, Benson, Zaruri on the wings are just, yeah, your typical wingers. Well, sorry, your typical last last few years wingers where yeah. the, um, <laughs> they can cut in. The, so there's le- uh, left footed Benson on the right hand side, right footed Zaruri on the left, and they can both go either way, both quick both tricky uh, and both got real quality and um and good end product so yeah can't can't wait to see to see how they get on stepping up and i'm sure and they're all a good age as well uh, a lot of the players that we brought in are early 20s um and we bought for like a lot of them for between 2 and 4 million and they're only they've shown already yeah there is there've been a steal and they're only going to get better as footballers. So, yeah, really excited to see how we how we do going forward. Yeah, I mean, one thing that definitely... So I've, I've stuck up on the screen now, sort of the individual breakdown uh, of some of these of these players. And yeah, double-figure goals for, uh, for, for Benson. So we've got 11, 17 for Teller as well. Um, seven goals and five assists in uh, 27 starts for Zaruri as well. Um, when Burnley were in the Premier League last time, it was very much a case of do we own Barnes or Wood? But it's quite nice to see that we there's a lot of goal-scoring midfielders here, very much linked to what you mentioned there, is that the wingers that you've got are modern wingers. They're not you know the the right the wide midfielders in a four four two anymore. They are goal-scoring players. And uh, what seems quite fascinating is is how much they have, have sort of been inverted in the sense that they're both capable of cutting inside and in effect acting as an inside forward. Yeah, no, definitely. That's where the the biggest threat comes when um, when they do cut inside. But they've yeah they've got the option to go on the outside if needed to. But it's uh, yeah, it was a big debate between Burnley fans last year when we didn't really sign an out and out striker. 
Um, and we were worried where the goals were going to come from. The last two times we've been promoted to the Premier League, uh, we've had uh, Andrea Gray scored 20-something goals and Volks weren't far behind him. And then Ings were 20-odd goals as well. Um, I think it were 26 goals, actually. And and again, Volks supported him well. So, And yeah, we, we just spread it all over. We didn't... We Again, company proved us all wrong. We didn't need... <laughs> particularly need that focal point as much as a big role Barnes and Rodriguez played they weren't our biggest threats um I don't know if that makes sense or not but <laughs> playing that far at the pitch it, it did come from the creative midfield um and again made for really um really good good viewing mm. well I suppose carry on. yeah well I think it's crossed yeah I mean and that six yard box that potentially might mean that if you do sign a centre forward, he's going to have some some nice uh, things to mop up. And the thing is, again, I mean, I'm going to make another comparison with Man City here. I mean, when you look at the way that City have been set up recently, so many of Haaland, because I, I may have seen that reel of every goal Haaland scored for City this year. And hopefully I'm not going to get castigated here for saying that a lot of them aren't that spectacular. I mean, some of them are, because he is incredible. But Actually, it reminded me that his best ability is just to be in the right place at the right time and the ball is delivered to him. So if you can find a centre-forward who can literally just tap it in from how much the ball is going to be in the six-yard box just because you've got all of these other attacking players swarming that area. I mean, is a centre-forward what it, what you would most want to see um, from companies' transfer dealings in the summer? Yeah, I think we yeah we, we do need... Um, another striker, I think. Uh, we did bring in um, Lyle Foster in January um, for £10 million, uh, South African international forward. Uh, it took him a while to find his feet, um, but he's got all the attributes um, to be a, a really good player. He's, he's strong, he's big, strong, fast. Uh, it just, he was just finding his feet still, so hopefully we'll see more from him, but um, I think we will need to bring in um, another striker. Uh, there's been, um, a, obviously, Teller did play quite far forward for us, so it'd be good if we managed to get him back. Um, like called uh, Mika Tadze, a Georgian striker uh, from Mets, has been linked. But yeah, I think that that is probably an area that we need to strengthen, but also um, the centre midfield. Um, get some legs in there and obviously replacing Matson at left back has to be uh, a priority too. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can uh, bring another forward in. Uh, maybe um, it might be a bit harsh on the per- on Barnes and Rodriguez who played that striker role because a lot of like company did expect them to come back and get involved in the play as well. It weren't just stand in the box and wait for a tap-in. Hit like Barnes coming back and and playing football more as a ten allowed the other players to to do what they needed to do as well. So I think it's probably a bit of a mix. Yeah, we do need more quality right up top, um, but I don't think we're gonna see anyone um, scoring twenty goals or mm-hmm. anything anywhere near that in a Burnley shirt next season. It probably will be more of sharing the um, sharing it out amongst the team again. Yeah, well, so that does lead me on to the next question about if you were being hard-pressed to pick a Burnley attacker to own an FPL, on the basis they're probably going to be no more than 5.5 there in midfielder, and if you if they were unlucky, I suppose, the centre-forwards could potentially be um, a 6 million, what would you be thinking? I mean, I look at some of those stats and think Teller looks pretty good, but I'm just looking at the overall numbers rather than going beneath that and having watched games. Manuel Benson kind of st- sticks out, for example, so if you had to pick just one... 
you know, they've got a good run of games and you feel like you're going to get some goals. Well, who do you imagine being the go-to? I mean, I suppose you kind of maybe already answered it because there is that spread of goals around the team. But yeah, um, what do you think on that? I think if you're basing it on the second half of last season, it would have been Teller because it were guaranteed to start. Um, and um, they're like mentioned they've all had periods where they've been very good so you've got to obviously keep an eye on the underlying stats who's performing Zaruri is probably going to play the most minutes because um, I think Benson only started 13 games last season which were unbelievable given in how many goals and assists he got in the end he had massive impact off the bench but you don't really play FPL for impact off the bench um, so hopefully he'll get stronger and be able to start more games next season but I think uh, it, I had to pick it a bit It'd be Teller based on the second half of last season, but obviously he's not even a Burnley player at the moment, so um, probably a bit pop out. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, hopefully you can get him back because it's it's nice to see him um, flourishing. Because I remember him at Southampton, he sort of would come on, have a mild impact in some games, but felt that he hadn't quite realised his potential. So it's nice to see him him do that somewhere. He's very much more of a goal scorer. And one of the things I've just got on the on the screen now is the sort of minutes per chance created and the the top. Uh, uh, five players for that for, for Burnley last season, so minutes per chance created. Uh, Goodmanson was top, um, but Benson wasn't far behind. So um, a chance created every 41.1 minutes for Goodmanson, but one every 41.4 minutes uh, for Benson. Brownhill has also been talked up a little bit as well because obviously he's going to be pretty much locked in, we would imagine, to be to be starting games, uh, one every 49.7. And then it's Oberfemi and Zaruri that are slightly further away, but they, they complete the top five. Um, so yeah, just a, just a quick word, I suppose, on 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 the creative forces in this team. Um, Benson potentially, if he were to start games, he's doing quite well from those stats in terms of you know minutes per shot and the minutes per chance created. I don't know. What's your view on that? Yeah, if if Benson's starting, then yeah, he's uh, every time he gets the ball, his intention is drive at defenders, get into the box, create chances, score goals. Um, the stats on Goodmanson surprised me quite a bit. He probably went under the radar um, playing uh, playing either right, wide right or in the centre. But yeah, those, those are really impressive numbers. And you've got set pieces uh, to play into that as well. So maybe someone that I've overlooked when I've been uh, looking through our squad there. But Because uh, yeah, him and Brownie will be on most of the set pieces, you'd think. Uh, the one thing that puts me off Brownie is the fact that I mentioned before, he might play a bit deeper. Uh, and obviously, if you look at his goal and assist returns in previous Premier League seasons, he's not never really uh, delivered on that regard. But again, completely different team. We might have just been playing the ball straight over the top of him. Uh, but yeah, again, he was last season and those, uh, you can't really argue with those numbers. Hmm. Yeah, he's someone I'm really excited to see back in the Premier League because I remember him coming to Burnley with sort of quite a decent acclaim because I think he came from Brentford, I think it was. And it was a lot was talked up of him. And then I felt like I never really got a chance to see him uh, excite me in games. He, he seemed to be used in a sort of... I seem to remember him being signed as a winger and then watching him play just in a really deep central midfield role, unless I'm remembering that incorrectly. But this team seems a little bit maybe more in, more built to allow Brownfield to, to Brownhill to sort of um, feel his way into games from a more attacking sense, do we think? Yeah, potentially. Uh, yeah, we got him from... Um, he was captain at Bristol City. Oh, it was Bristol. Uh, I knew it was a BR. Yeah. It was a BR team that played in red. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, but yeah, he, he definitely he had his best season in a Burnley shirt last season. But obviously, we had stepped down and he'd done really well in the Championship when he'd been at Bristol City. 
Um, it was maybe a bit underwhelming for me because he's clearly in previous Premier League season because he has got the ability, uh, but never really flourished. And like you said, he was more of a hard worker doing the doing the dirty side of the game. Whereas now we've got Josh Cullen who does that um, better than anyone I've ever seen in a Burnley shirt. He is integral to everything that we do. He's been he was the player, fans player of the season, players player of the season. Obviously, not got the the attacking threat that that a lot of our players are that you look for in FPL. But from our system point of view, I think Josh Cullen's the most important cog in all of it. But him being there does give the Brownie lap freedom to uh, to do uh, what he does well, do a lot better going forward. So yeah, an option. I'll probably again, I'll probably like I said with the centre backs, I'll probably stay away from him and go for one of the more exciting options that that are starting at the time. But no, yeah, definitely. It ticks a lot of boxes in terms of what you need from a budget midfielder. Mm, yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's good good to mention Cullen, actually, because um, while he isn't, as you say, going to be much of a fantasy uh, asset, knowing that you've got a player in that team that really elevates everybody else. And I mean, I was even reading that apparently he, he sometimes would drop into the back three to help in transitional periods as well. Um, he, he seems like a, just... I mean, I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to sort of tactical things. I love watching stuff like that. I imagine that the new. Do you think the neutrals are going to spot what he does for for teams and get particularly excited by how he's transforming those around him? There's no FBL link here, but it's just you know an opportunity to, yeah, to no, talk him up. <laughs> he's been an absolute joy to watch for me. And like you said, when when we are in possession, getting the ball at the pitch, you will just see him drop back between um, Bayer and Ekdal or whoever's the starting centre halves. Um, still probably pretty much on the halfway line because we've gone up up the pitch. Uh, and that's when you see um, the attacking positions in, like, well, being so fluid. Um, he's, yeah, absolute joy to watch. Quality on the ball. Uh, the only thing, when he does get, he does get into positions to shoot every now and again. <laughs> and I've never seen anyone worse, to be honest. It's <laughs> ridiculous. You'd think with how, how he's got the ball on, like, on string, over the rest of the pitch, he'd be able to do something. But yeah, <laughs> something happens to him when he gets inside 25 yards and it, yeah, he's not the same player. But that's not what he's there for. Yeah, I, from from a footballing perspective, he, and again, slightly boring maybe, from my point of view, I enjoy watching Josh Cullen more than probably any of the other other players in the team. He's just a, so such a good all-round footballer. And I, I really hope he does step it up in the Premier League because he's not obviously he came up through West Ham's youth academy. I went on a couple of loans, Bradford and Charlton. Uh, I went and watched him for Bradford in League Two. I remember a few years ago, and remember thinking, "Wow, he's a good player." Um, and and yeah, we we're buzzing when we signed him. Then he was with Company at Anderlecht, so this is like his first real chance to, to see if he can perform at Premier League level. And yeah, I've I've got full belief that he will be able to step up and. And do it. Obviously, he's, he's slightly older, 26, 27. So he's, uh, he's probably reaching his peak as well. So yeah, really excited again to to see how he how he gets on. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, as I said, I think the neutrals and, and the purists are, are going to enjoy watching him. And I suppose if there's one thing that what you've said has taught me is there's hope for us yet. If even someone with a complete uh, ability to just be absolutely fantastic at everything in football except shooting, it shows that. <laughs> Truly, nobody is perfect. So there is hope for us layman when we're play, yeah, out of the goals on a Tuesday night. You know, 
uh, but yeah, no. Well, thank you very much uh, for everything you've uh, you've taught us uh, today, uh, Adam. It's been it's been brilliant to uh, to learn about uh, Burnley. And uh, just a quick reminder to everybody uh, that uh, if you haven't already signed up for Fantasy Football Scout membership, then now is the time to do that because uh, we are anticipating that the game will be back at some point in the next few weeks, we think. Uh, and so you want to make sure you've got everything in place and ready uh, to build your first game at one team and find all of those gems before your friends do and beat them in them in the mini leagues you're in with them before the season's even started because it's really a mindset uh, than anything else and so we've got plenty of other content on the channel for the uh, rest of the preseason. so we've already got a video up on, on Luton for example we're going to be looking at Sheffield United in a couple of days if you really want to learn everything there is to learn about the promoted sides we've got scout reports on new players coming to the Premier League we've also been heavily analysing the fixtures as well so make sure you check out those things uh, I would be remiss in my duty uh, if I didn't also remind people to uh, like uh, this video and subscribe to the Fantasy Football Scout YouTube channel, hit that bell notification as well because when there's no deadlines, you need that bell notification to know there's more content. Um, but with that, um, thanks once again, Adam. It's been good having you on. Yeah, no, thanks again for having me. Yeah, no worries. It's been our pleasure. I will now leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your summer and I will see you next time.